Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. Today I want to look at a, uh, it's funny, our passage of scripture this week is a passage I've preached here before in Genesis chapter 32. Matter of fact, it was the first passage, the first message that I ever preached at Rock House Baptist Church. And I want to just humor me for a minute. I want to make a, a good point here and honor some folks. If you remember that, if you were here that first Sunday when I preached about Jacob, Almost five years ago, do us a favor, just stand up real quick. If you were here the first Sunday that we were here, give these folks a round of applause. Thank you all. These are the folks that stuck it out (laughs) and have put up with me longer than the rest of you. But all of the ministry of Rock House Baptist Church was built on the backs of the people that you just saw stand. And I get to preach this message again because they're the only ones that might remember it. Most of you haven't ever heard it. So I want to look this morning. Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 through 30. Really one of my favorite stories. I say that every week, I think. One of my favorite stories in the Bible, in the Old Testament especially. I love the life of Jacob. The Bible says Jacob was left alone. How many knows we need to get alone with God? We don't do it nearly enough, do we? I don't know about this next part, though. It says, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. We don't get an introduction. There's no, hey, Jacob, I'm God. How are you? Let's fight. Let's do some wrestling. just says, a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not defeat him, he struck Jacob's hip socket as they wrestled and dislocated his hip. Then he said to Jacob, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Mm. The title of our message this morning, by the way, is An Encounter with God. What's your name? the man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face. He said, yet my life has been spared. There's a lot going on in this passage of Scripture. And if you just read through it, you're going to miss out on a few things that probably don't make sense on the surface. So I want to give it a little context today. You have to get context to understand this particular passage. Somebody said a text without context is a pretext for a proof text. In other words, if you take something out of context, especially from the Bible, you can make it say just about anything you want it to say. Fake news, right? That's how it works. Take it out of context. So, where is Jacob at this point in his life? Well, 
At this stage, he's a man on the run. He's been running from God, from himself, from his problems, from his older twin brother Esau for at least the past 20 years of his life. And, and honestly, he's a knucklehead. I know God's chosen Jacob, but he's a knucklehead. Um, he duped his brother Esau, stole his birthright. You remember that? With the, with the soup? It must have been some pretty good soup. Then he stole his brother's blessing. And so, needless to say, Esau literally wanted to kill his twin brother Jacob. And Jacob has been running and conniving and swindling uh, everywhere he goes for his whole life until this point. This pivotal moment in his life. Jacob has met God before. He's had dreams. He's had visions. He's a believer but how many knows it's one thing to believe in God, but another thing to be broken by God? You see, the Bible says that the demons believe, and they do what? They tremble. But even our churches are full of people who simply believe. And, and our, yeah, you've got to believe, but we have to come to a point where we allow ourselves to be broken by God. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are broken over their own sinfulness. For what? The kingdom of heaven is theirs. So Jacob has been chosen. He's been selected by God. He's the one that's supposed to become the, the head of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. It should have been his older brother Esau, but God said, no, I won't. Jacob, he's been chosen by God. And now he's an old man. He spent his life running and swindling and cheating and lying, trying to get the best out of life. How many can relate to that? But now on this faithful night, he literally has an encounter with God, and it will change Jacob forever. When you truly encounter and you truly experience the Lord, it changes you. If it doesn't change you, then you've had some other kind of experience. Because when you meet God, you're changed. I want to look at three ways that Jacob was changed this morning when he encountered God. They're the same three changes that take place in us when we encounter the Lord as well. And the first one is pretty obvious. His physical life was changed. It says the Lord struck Jacob's hip socket and dislocated his hip. And Jacob would walk away or limp away from this encounter, never being physically the same again. He always would have this problem where God broke his leg. And he was so desperate at this point in his life. I think at this stage and in this moment, Jacob could look back over his life and he could see the mess that he'd made. And he knew that his twin brother Esau, who he was going to have to face the next day, was probably going to kill him. And I'm sure he was afraid. I'm sure he was disappointed with himself. I'm sure that uh, if he would go back, he would change some things if he could. But, but in this moment of his life, in the middle of this night, he was broken, not only in his hip, but he was broken because of his sinfulness. And there's a prayer just above this in Genesis where Jacob is repentant. He has a repentant heart. And as God gets a hold of Jacob, Jacob refuses to let God go until he's certain that he can get up from there a changed man. And so he wrestled with God and God wounds him and in his desperation, 
I think for God, even with a broken hip, imagine wrestling with God for one. Imagine trying to wrestle with God with a broken hip. And in his desperation, in the middle of the night, he clings to God with all he's got. And he said, God, I ain't letting you go. I ain't letting you go until I get what I know I've needed my entire life from you. But there's going to be some things that change when you encounter the Lord like this, physically. We think about things spiritually, but your physical life changes, doesn't it? When you come to the Lord, when you meet Christ, when you invite God to into your life, you're going to, like Jacob, leave there walking a little differently. I hope you're going to talk a little differently. Charles Spurgeon said he lost about 80% of his vocabulary when he met Jesus. Your attitude is going to begin to change. The, the, your thoughts, those cravings that you had, they're going to hopefully, prayerfully begin to go away. And as God not only redeems your soul, but He begins to change the way that you live your life. The Bible says that the Jews stopped eating this certain part of the animal around the hip socket. It was part of this set of rules that, that acted like guardrails. It gave them boundaries for their lives. And when you encounter God, you get a, the Holy Spirit that acts like this set of guardrails, these boundaries that when you step into a certain place or you click on a certain side or you say a certain thing, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, wait a minute, get back over there. Your life begins to change physically. God begins to transform you, not from the outside in, not physically too spiritually, but from the inside out. And that's the second thing. Jacob's spiritual life was changed. Now this one's a little more complicated. Notice that Jacob, what did he ask for? A blessing. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That sounds kind of strange out of, in the context, doesn't it? And the Lord asked him a really strange question. What's your name? And so to understand this, let's go back to something that happened years earlier in Jacob's life. Flick real quickly to Genesis 27. Abraham fathers Isaac. Isaac fathers the twin brothers Jacob and Esau. Isaac is getting old at this point in Genesis chapter 27. He's about to die. And the custom of the day was before the father died, he would take the oldest son and he would just pronounce a blessing over that son's life. And remember, Jacob has already swindled Esau out of his birthright. That's a pretty big deal. Only hope that Esau has going for him is to get his father's blessing. Well, guess what's going to happen here? Rebekah, the mother, hears Isaac tell Esau, Son, go out and hunt something good for me to eat. Bring it back and fix it. And when we've enjoyed this meal, I'm going to bless you before I die. Rebekah hears this. She goes and she likes uh, Jacob a little bit better. He's a mama's boy. She tells Jacob, said, listen, go and get one of the goats. Bring it in. I'll fix it the way your father likes it. You pretend to be your brother Esau and get your father's blessing in his place. Look at verse 14. It says, so, when he, so he went. He got the goats and brought them to his mother. And his mother made the delicious food his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of her older son Esau, which were in the house, and had her younger son, Jacob, wear them. This is where it gets weird. She put the skins of the young goats on his hands and the smooth part of his neck. How hairy did Esau have to be for this to work? 
pretty weird looking dude, wouldn't he? Anyway, then she <laughs> handed the delicious food and the bread she had made to her son Jacob. And when he came to his father, he said, My father. And he answered, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob replied to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. This is lie number one. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How did you ever find it so quickly, my son? He replied, Because the Lord your God made it happen for me. There's lie number two. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come closer so I can touch you, my son. Are you really my son Esau or not? So Jacob came closer to his father Isaac. When he touched him, he said, The voice is the voice of Jacob. But the hands are the hands of Esau. Again, what a hairy, strange man. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. And again he asked, Are you really my son Esau? And he replied, I am. Lie number three. So Jacob, in Genesis 27, gets the blessing that he thinks that he really wants. How many know, and maybe you've experienced this, that some blessings are more of a curse than a blessing? This blessing may have looked nice, but it cost Jacob his life. He had to leave in this moment and flee from his older brother Esau. He had to leave his family. He had to run for his life, live in fear as he thought Esau chased him for the next 20 years. And now, now in Genesis 32, then he has a, a hold of God, literally a hold of God, and he's in the presence of God Almighty, face to face with his maker. He refuses to let him go until God blesses, blesses him with the true blessing that he realizes is the thing that he needed all along. It's not something you can cheat somebody out of. It's not something you can put a price tag on. But a touch from God himself. And notice what God says to Jacob when he asks for this blessing. He says, what's your name? Did God know Jacob's name? Of course he did. Did God know where Adam was? Of course he did. But Jacob needed to admit and know who he was inside of who God was. There's this rhetorical question all throughout Scripture. When, when God approaches somebody, he asks these, these silly questions almost. And remember in the garden, we talked about it. Adam sins and he hides like a child hiding from their parents. And what did God say? Where are you? Here he asked Jacob, What's your name? We go to the New Testament when Christ is carried away to the house of Caiaphas, the high priest, to be questioned and to be tried. And, and, and Peter follows along to kind of see what's going on. And just like Jesus said when Peter was questioned three times, Hey, aren't you one of them? You're a Galilean. Aren't you one of his disciples? What did Peter do? He denied Christ. But then when he meets Jesus after the death and resurrection, what does Jesus say? He don't say, how dare you? He don't say, figure it out, get better. He asks him a question. 
Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. And this question, remember, it broke Adam. It broke Peter. The question broke Paul on the Damascus Road when Jesus appeared to Paul and said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And this question right here broke Jacob. What's your name? Jacob simply replies, I think for the first truthful time in his life, I'm Jacob. I'm not Esau. I'm not something that I've been pretending to be that I'm really not. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. Just call me Jacob. <laughs> and having reached this broken point, what happens? Jacob's life is spiritually changed forever. He came to this place. Remember, he comes to the, the, this wilderness fearful, afraid that tomorrow his brother is going to kill him. He divides his camp so maybe somebody will survive. And he's, he's anxious, but he leaves this place confident. Not confident in Jacob anymore, but confident in Jesus. When you encounter God like this, I think you're broken because you see you for who you really are. Because you've seen God for who God really is. That He is holy. That He is awesome. That He is perfect. That He is righteous and just. And you look at yourself in light of who God is and you're like, oh, I'm just a Jacob. He admits who He is and notice what God says. He's only Jacob for a moment. Your physical life will change. Your spiritual life will change. Your identity will change. God says, verse 28, Your name will no longer be... It's been Jacob for three minutes. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel because you've struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob, I'm giving you a brand new identity. Literally, you will no longer walk the same because I've touched you. You're no longer going to act or feel the same because you have stood in my presence and you're leaving here a changed man. More than that, I'm also giving you a brand new name. You'll no longer be known as Jacob. You'll no longer be known as the cheater and the liar and the thief. I'm giving you the name Israel, you will be the father of my people, my chosen people. How many are glad that when you come to Jesus, he gives you a brand new name, a brand new identity in Christ? I'm very thankful you don't have to be known as the things that you were once known as. People don't have to look at you and call you a drunk anymore. They don't have to look at you and call you worthless or even a sinner Anymore. They don't, you don't have to be known as a thief or a liar or a cheater anymore. God has come into your life and you've encountered Jesus. And not only has he changed you physically and spiritually, but he has given you a brand new name. Remember what we said we were several weeks ago? According to Ephesians chapter 2, now everybody can look at you and say, You are blessed. You are chosen. You are redeemed. You are a new creature, a new creation. In Christ. All because of what Christ did 2,000 years ago. Jacob encountered God and he became the father of, of a nation. This little sliver of land that's about the size of New Jersey right now. I think they 
should own a little bit more real estate, but that's another topic for another day. But he's the father of this nation, the 12 tribes of Israel. And to think about the parallels between him and Simon Peter. Simon Peter, who encountered the Lord, and <laughs> what happened? He got a new name. And when he encountered Jesus, in spite of his failure, the risen Lord, he went from that moment and stood on the steps, the southern steps of the temple complex, and he preached a passage filled with the Holy Ghost, and 3,000 people came to Christ. The point is, wherever you find yourself today, you can have this same kind of experience. God is still in the business of changing people. Jesus went into the tomb dead, but he came out alive. You can go into the tomb with him, whatever shape or condition you're in, and come out a brand new person, being crucified with Christ, dead to your old self, and risen again, as the Bible says, to walk in a new way of life. I got a picture, a couple pictures here I want to share. We're going to be sharing some things over the next few weeks. I know it's kind of hard to see, it's very dark, but what you're looking at there is it's a pit. It's a basement. Big rock pit is really all it is. But that's in the bottom of Caiaphas' house. This was probably the first time that I was really broken. We went to where they flogged Jesus. We went and walked the Via Della Rosa and the, the way of the cross. But this is where it hit me. See, when Jesus was arrested... They carried him to Caiaphas' house. Caiaphas was a high priest. And this pit was where they would throw a prisoner down into here and the priest would stand somewhere up there in those windows. And he questioned the prisoner from there because he, he had to maintain this ritual purity. He couldn't touch this person. And so he'd stand way up high and look down at the prisoner and question him, try him. And we went down into this pit you work your way down in there, and it's probably 12, 15 feet deep. You know what we did, Steve? We sang Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It began to sink in. Did you see that little hole that's in the top? Pretty likely that they threw Jesus through that little hole where he hit the, it's nothing but rock floor down beneath. When we were getting ready to leave there, I just, I couldn't help but go over and look up and get underneath that hole. <laughs> and I had to get down on my hands and knees on that rock and think maybe this is where he bled. Maybe this is where he, he laid here for a minute when they threw him in. You see, the reason that you can be changed and that you can have a new life is because he went into the pit for you. He went to the cross for you. He went into that grave. And we'll show you pictures of that too for you. So you didn't have to. <laughs> and I don't care what shape you're in, how unsavable you think you are today, guess what? Because of what he did 2,000 years ago, you can be changed too. 
past, and you'll never be the same, I promise. Stand this morning. I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, God, I thank you that there is no person that's too lost, that there's no person that is unredeemable, there's no person that your grace cannot reach. It's easy, Lord, to think that we've done too much, that we're not good enough, we don't deserve your love, your grace, your mercy, and we don't. But Lord, we're reminded that because of what you did to Jesus, that you allowed him to be beaten and killed for us. God, we can have that peace. God, we can have forgiveness. We can have a brand new name. We can be a child of God because of what He's done for us. Lord, we're so grateful. Lord, maybe there's someone here this morning, though, that needs to take that trip, that journey from death to life. They need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that Your Spirit would just prick their heart this morning. Draw them to You, Lord. That Nobody needs to leave here lost today. God, we love You. Thank You so much for Jesus. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.